All right, let's uh, finally let's uh, talk to my buddy Andrew Raycroft. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Morning, guys. Sorry about that. Oh, that's no okay. problem. No, I don't think I don't think it's your fault. I think it's generally ours. All right, so if you're Rod Brindamore and you're getting ready to play Game Three tonight, who's your goaltender? I think he's going to make a switch and go to McElhaney. Um My original thought was keeping Mrazek in in the third period that he was going to roll with him. Uh, for Game 3, but as we've kind of gotten away from it and he hasn't necessarily said it's Mrazek today and doing the dog and pony show down there, uh, I would expect McElhaney. Have you ever been on a team where the coach's philosophy was not to pull a goalie in-game, no matter how bad it got? No, I haven't. Uh, (laughs) I was was pulled often, so uh, (laughs) no, never any coaches that... uh, that left guys in. You know, I understand the premise, and especially come playoff time, um, you know, if you have your guy and you want to run with them, and, and they obviously haven't played a lot of games. And, again, that's why I expected them to, you know, for him to say right after the game, I'm sticking with Mrazek, he's my guy, number one, the whole thing. But, um, you know, as it's gone on longer and not announced, I think he's switching things up. I, I'm actually of the belief that there are times, there were maybe even times, Andrew, in your career, where you kind of wanted to be pulled. I mean, you you were looking over at the bench saying, okay, maybe it's time now. I think Peter Morazic wanted out after the fifth goal the other night. No question. There's, you know, I, you, you're in there, and um, you know whether it's just not your night or the team's just terrible in front of you, there's nights when you want to get out of there, um, and there's not a whole lot you can do. Uh, when there's... You know, and, there, and again, you know, the other, you know, you could say, you know, maybe get McElhaney in there and get him some, you know, see the Bruins, see what they're like for 20 minutes if you're going to play him in game three. Um, that would have been my mindset um, as a coach, but, but Rod's obviously, you know, sticking to what he believes in. Now, it's been just about every other night for a, a couple of weeks now, and then obviously a couple of days in between some of these games, but... Any thought at all with a four nothing lead and then ultimately a six nothing lead to give Tuca a break, or at at that point, you know what, just just finish out the game. It's not like he was getting tested a whole lot anyway. Yeah, no, not at all. The you know getting the break as a for a goaltender is having the day off. You know, not waking, mm-hmm. you know, not worrying about the game the night before, uh, not get going through your your routine and in, in pregame skate in the morning, and then you know not having nerves and anxiety all day long. So. By the time there's six minutes left in the game, I mean, it's not going to make any difference at all for whether Tuca's legs feel better or not. Again, the uh, the draining part of being a goaltender is long done with six minutes left, whether it's 4 nothing, 6 nothing, or, or one nothing. When you look at the first two games of this series, and even going into this series, we thought the Bruins had a decided advantage in goal. We thought they had a decided advantage in special teams play. And both of those things have obviously borne out the other thing that I think I, I, I overestimated was the quality of the Carolina defense because it hasn't been very good so far. Yeah, certainly not. They haven't been. And I, I think that goes to the depth of the Bruins forwards, and we talked about that in the secondary scoring. But, um, you know, it really is hard on a team with, uh, with not that depth that Carolina obviously has on the back end to – to continually roll out offensive forwards against them. Um, they're able to, you know, the top D is, is very good. They're able to shut down, you know, whether it's Marshawn's line or, or Patrice's line, sorry, or Krejci's line. But then you have another wave coming and another wave coming after that. It, it's really difficult, and they just haven't faced an offense like this. Obviously, Washington has 
a bunch of great scorers, and they rely on the power play as well, but I don't think they have the same depth as, as Boston does, and, and we've seen that in two games so far. Is there any chance that the Bruins kind of let up a little bit and not – you know, on purpose necessarily, but you're up 2-0 in the series. Carolina, by all accounts, not as tough of a challenge as Columbus or Toronto was. Could you see anything where they kind of go in saying, we just won the last game 6-2, to for God's sakes, like this thing, this series is over? I don't think they think that. You know, you can look back to the Capitol series. I mean, Washington hammered Carolina 6 nothing in Game 5, and then Carolina came back and won the last two to take the series from them. Um, as well, Washington was up to nothing coming off, you know, the first two home games. So um, there is a little bit of history here that Carolina can come back. They're five and zero at home ice, and the Bruins team is um, obviously a veteran team. They know when they get a chance to step on a team, you need to do that in the playoffs and not give any extra life. Um, at the same time, saying all those things is: do the Bruins have the same? Uh, tension, the same pressure as they did when they were down 3-2 to two to Toronto going into Toronto. Uh, not exactly. So there's a little human nature in there, but I do think that the leaders in the Bruins room understand that you, you don't want to give anybody life at this time of the year. If you go back to 2011 and the Bruins Stanley Cup Championship, and you look back on it, you say one of the keys to winning the Cup was the play of the Bruins' third and fourth lines. Their offensive depth... Yeah, everybody talked about the Merlot line and, and what a difference and what a shot in the arm those guys gave. If you look at this Bruins team right now, you could say a similar thing as to where they are at the moment. The play of the third and fourth lines has been critical. No question. And it is year in, year out, you know, whatever team wins. And, and the reason for that is just because there's so much emphasis put on the top two lines, the scoring line. So, what happens is, you know, that third line gets a little bit more opportunity to be offensive, and, and the team that has the players that are able to, to rise up to that and get those points in the big in the big spots are struggling like it was, you know, like. We're losing them. We lost them. Gone. I'll pu- I'll put them on hold, fellas. Everything was uh, sounding good. See if see if you guys can. Uh... Everything was sounding pretty good, but the point on the third line... I, I is, had a feeling we were about to go into robot voice. <laughs> yeah, like, I was hoping for that. I was hoping for the, we were second, the Keebler we were Elf voice. seconds away from robot voice. There's definitely the Keebler Elf voice. We've heard him a few times. Uh, you just never know. And then right. our engineers would say, you got to call us, we got to call them. Let's try it again. We lost you for a second, but you're yeah, back, thankfully. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm not going to criticize the uh, my phone carrier on the Smart. They could be a sponsor. Yeah. That's good. Leave, leave, <laughs> exactly. the, leave that at bay. Andrew, if uh, t- to this point of the postseason, who would be your three stars on the Bruins? Obviously, Tukarask has got to be in that group. Uh, who are two of the other guys that have stood out to you from Game 1 of Toronto all the way through Game 2 so far of this series? Tuka is number one. I think Brendan Carlo, you know, from front to back, would be one of the other three. And then Charlie Coyle. Um, so those are my three guys. Obviously, you know, Marshawn Bergeron, those guys have come up big, but I think the, the two the two other names that have been very, very important are, are Carlo and Coyle so far. If you think about the trade deadline, and, and at the time Don Sweeney acquired Coyle and Marcus Johansson, there was a, a collective yawn, I think, amongst many Bruins fans, but you look at how things stand right now, and they've been critical. Absolutely. Absolutely critical, and again, it's not flashy, it wasn't the Mark Stone or the, you know, the big, huge name, but um, I think Don and the organization did a great job really 
knowing what they needed internally, and I'm sure they had a lot of discussion about it and, and with the coaching staff and what the coaching staff wanted, and they did a great job um, evaluating that and, and pinpointing the guys they wanted, and, and they didn't have to give up too much for either of these guys, and obviously, um, you know, the whole, the whole staff and the organization looked pretty smart at this point. Do you think this ends in a sweep, or do you think Carolina wins one of these games at home? I think I, I had I had them in five. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a sweep though. Right now, I thought Game One was the game that Carolina had a chance uh, with out. Uh, Bruins are so good at making adjustments. I thought Carolina might have snuck up that first game, but uh, you know, it's I, I can't see this going more than five. It, it could be a sweep. Andrew, we appreciate the time as always. I'll see you at the rink. Sounds great, guys. Have a good. Thanks, Andrew. That is uh, former Bruins goaltender Andrew Raycroft.